Welcome to this week's Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Lenora Walters and joining me today are Kate Bailey and Emma Achimang, Deputy Personal Finance Editor and Personal Finance Writer at Investors Chronicle, and Rachel Winter, Senior Investment Manager at Killick. The top contributors to the S&P 500 index this year had been the so-called FANGs, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix and Google, along with Microsoft. But a week ago, it all literally came crashing down, wiping over £100 billion from the value of US tech stocks on the 9th of June. Emma, you've been looking at this. Why did tech shares fall that much last Friday and have they fallen further? Well, valuations have been looking high for a while, Leonora, and the companies have also been on an extraordinarily long run recently. So in some ways, it's not surprising that the market has pulled back a bit. Um, And the stocks have been bouncing around quite a bit since this fall that that started last Friday. It continued on Monday. um, They recovered a little bit midweek, but yesterday they've also fallen again. So in total, I think the amount that's been wiped off since it began is now about 120 billion US dollars. Now, recent crash aside, what sort of state are these tech companies in? Well, many of you know the so-called fangs have high levels of cash and are still growing quite strongly, both through their own efforts, but also through mergers and acquisitions activity from buying smaller tech companies. And there are also a whole, you know, sort of new and up and coming companies which have disruptive technology capabilities and could be well placed to grow their market share strongly in the future. Okay, I mean, that doesn't sound so bad, does it? Other than a possible market bubble, are there any other risks investors should be aware of? Well, sectors likely to be volatile, especially if you're investing in newer companies. You know, nine out of 10 startup tech companies fail. Um, so it, it's a very high risk area. And then even if a company does have, you know, good disruptive technology that's got the potential to create new markets, the reality of actually how a company goes about being able to translate its business model into profits is is never guaranteed. So it, it's it's still a high risk area. Okay. Um, Rachel, why do you think there was a tech stock correction and do you think it'll continue? I don't think there's any one particular reason that has caused tech stocks to sell off. I'm not worried myself in the slightest. I just think over the last month, there has been a bit of a realisation that tech stocks have had an incredibly strong run. Um, last month, we did have Warren Buffett um, saying that he'd sold out of IBM and that he thought Apple was now fully valued. So I think that has perhaps harmed sentiments. But I just think it is profit taking. These stocks have had an incredibly strong run. If you've got them in your portfolio, because they've gone up so much, they're probably in now worth too high a weighting of the portfolio. So we probably have got some people just readjusting how much they have in each sector and coming out of some of the tech stocks. But we're talking here about 120 billion being wiped off the tech sector. Sounds like a huge number, but as a proportion of the total value of the tech sector, it's not particularly high. So I'm not concerned. Okay. Um, bearing all that in mind, do you think investors should allocate to tech stocks at the moment? Definitely. It's still my preferred sector for growth. Yes, some of these companies are expensive, but some of them actually are less expensive than they were last year, despite the huge share price rise. So for example, Facebook and Amazon, yes, the shares have come up a huge amount, but the underlying companies have grown a lot more than the share price. So actually, if we're looking at a price to earnings multiple, the stocks are less expensive. Okay, now what about existing investors? I mean, should they add? Should they hold? Should they sell? Depends how much they have. So if they've been in these stocks for a long time, as I said, 
the tech sector is probably worth perhaps too high a proportion of their portfolio, so perhaps they could trim down a bit. For new investors, yes, I would definitely have an exposure to tech, so yes, I still would be buying in. Um, I think if I went outside today and I said to 10 people, do you think you will be using more or less technology in 10 years' time? I would be very surprised if anyone said less. So I think technology is really a sector that has to be owned in every single portfolio. As a long-term play. As a long-term play, yes. Okay. Now, Emma, if investors agree that it's a good idea to get exposure to tech stocks, what funds could they consider to do this? Well, one example is AXA Framlington Technology. And this fund has a bias of small and medium-sized companies. It looks for new stock ideas. Over five years, it's made good returns of 163%. um, And it has an ongoing charge of 0.83%. Another example, which is an investment trust, is Polar Capital Technology. Um, Its managers look for companies with the highest growth potential in tech stocks. And, I mean, over one year, it's had an astonishing um, result, 75% up. And over five years, it's up 187%. So, for, you know, for strong performance there, um, it has an ongoing charge of 1.10%. Okay, Rachel, um, what funds would you suggest for investors wanting exposure to tech stocks? So I completely agree with the Polar Capital suggestion. That's a great fund. It's had a really good, strong track record. It's got huge exposure to all the big American tech stocks that we really like. And also because most of those stocks are invested in dollars, it's a good way to get away from sterling, which we are a bit worried about at the moment. So you've got two benefits there. Um, If you do want more of a UK-focused tech fund, you could look at something like the Herald Investment Trust, which has more UK companies and perhaps more smaller companies. Or if you want more of a general growth fund with a high technology weighting, you could look at something like the Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, which has a very large holding in Amazon and also stocks like Tesla, which I think you could argue are tech stocks in some regards. Yeah, well, that that actually brings me on to my next point. Tech funds are obviously high risk because they're focused on a single sector. Do you think there's a lot of merit in holding a broader fund like Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust that has an allocation to tech, but it's not purely a tech fund? I think it depends on the size of your portfolio. So if you're a growth investor, I'd be wanting to have at least 15% in technology. So if you've got quite a large portfolio and you've got enough money there to have a dedicated tech fund, I think I think that's what I would rather do because I would argue that a fund manager managing a specific tech fund is going to have a much better knowledge about tech than a general fund that has a small allocation to technology. So I'd rather have the the technology fund if the portfolio was big enough to warrant that. But if not, then yes, I would definitely look for more general funds like the Scottish Mortgage that do have a significant technology weighting. Okay, thank you, Rachel. And you can see more suggestions on tech funds and broader funds with an allocation to tech in Emma's article in this week's magazine and the website. Sticking with the subject of high markets, even though US tech has had a wobble, overall markets have been high, with the US and UK looking expensive after notching up a number of record highs. Now, for many sensible investors, this is a concern, because ideally, you should buy low and sell high. So, Kate, what can investors do? Well, the issue is that timing the market is almost impossible. So if you try and sit back and wait for a crash, you could be waiting for quite a long time. Um, and in the meantime, you could be foregoing good gains on the stock market um, and losing your cash to erosion from inflation. Um, if you have a long time to invest, so five, 10 years or more, you've got plenty of time for your money to be kind of working in the market. And even if there is a crash or a correction, you've got time for that money to recover and to make more. 
so the message, I guess, is that there's not a reason to let market valuations put you off investing altogether, but it should kind of affect the way that you invest and the things that you invest in. How how bad is cash then at the moment? Well, UK inflation has just hit an eye-watering 2.9% um, in May. Uh, and we haven't seen those levels since June 2013. And it's almost a percent point higher than the Bank of England's target. So that's pretty significant. Mm, okay. All right. Well, if you have to invest, how should you go about doing it? Because it you know, undeniably things are expensive. Yeah, well, so in terms of how to physically go about putting your money into the market, I think that's the first thing to think about. Um, So with any kind of strategy, you first need to decide on asset allocation. Um, And we'll come come to that in a minute. But so make that decision in terms of where you want to invest and how many funds, etc. And then the first way to do this would be to drip feed your money into the market. And by doing this, you pound cost average. So in some months, you'll be buying stocks when they're very expensive. And so you'll be buying less of them. But then if there's a correction, the next month, you'll be buying them very cheap. So you're kind of averaging out over a long time period. The way to do it is to split the amount that you have to invest over a set number of payments. And then you pay it in once a month or or whatever, um, into into your kind of funds that you've chosen. Um, alternatively, you might want to decide on the asset allocation and then pay money in in lump sums, starting with the bits that you've chosen which look the best value. So I guess the better value areas would be emerging markets, Asia, um, to some extent Japan and Europe. Um, so kind of start with those sections first and build up. And then it's a slightly different model if you're already invested, obviously. Okay, so so what should you do if you're already invested? Um, well, if you're already invested and are worrying about uh, valuations, the main thing to do is be very strict about rebalancing um, and bringing th- your portfolio back to your original asset allocation. So at least annually, maybe more than annually if there are you know big market movements. And effectively, then you're just taking profits on the things that have done really well. So you're buying and selling in the right bits of your portfolio. So just being strict about that is the way to is the way to avoid that. Okay, those sound like some great techniques. Um, do you have any other suggestions on how people can deal with the risks of high markets? Yeah, well, I guess the key is to have a very diversified portfolio, and that is diversified in terms of geography and asset class, but also in styles of fund um, and fund manager. Okay, and how can you go about doing this? Well, so firstly, um, why have an asset allocation, which is as I said, split among countries and things. But then I think it's really key that you um, have different styles of fund in your portfolio. Um, I mean, when you're buying a market or a fund say, for example, a US fund, you're not necessarily buying the whole market. You don't have to buy those most expensive stocks. Um, so you could focus on, for example, value fund managers or managers who buy more defensive shares. Um, so, for example, in the US, maybe you wouldn't now want to buy a broad US tracker, but you might want to buy some value fund managers or defensive fund managers. By having a broad spread, you would hope that you have the stocks which will be able to withstand some of these corrections if they come um, and better value stocks as well. Okay. Now, Rachel, what's your view on this? Um, Should investors invest or should they hang back, maybe even take profits? I would actually challenge the view that the markets are that high. So, yes, the actual value of the FTSE or share is the highest it has ever been. But in terms of how expensive it is, it's not actually that expensive compared to where it has been in the past. So at the moment, it's trading on less than 15 times earnings. If I go back to the dot-com boom, um, right at the top of the market then, it was trading on over 19 times. And then 
at the very bottom of the crash three years later, it was still over 16 times. So now we're actually at a lower level than we were after that crash. So I don't think the markets are overly expensive. And also the FTSE 100 is paying um, an average dividend yield of over 4%, which is very attractive at the moment, particularly because UK inflation came in last week at 2.9%, which was higher than we did expect. Okay, well, bearing that in mind, then, um, how do you think people should invest? Obviously, Kate highlighted some techniques. I mean, should should investors do that or should they just plunge in or have you got any any particular strategies? I don't think I'd ever lump all my money in all at once. I think that is quite a risky strategy. Where possible, I would like to drip feed into the market, as Kate suggested. I think that is the lowest risk way to do it. But you do have to bear in mind there is a cost associated with every trade. So if you are splitting your money into lots of little trades and putting a bit in every month, that can actually increase the cost of investing. So I would just bear that in mind. Okay. Now, you said things don't look as expensive as they seem, but, you know, looking at all markets, are there any you'd single out that seem, you know, particularly sort of less expensive at the moment? I definitely look at Europe. So data coming out of Europe recently has been quite impressive. So confidence over there, GDP growth, particularly in France, has been quite impressive. So I think that looks quite attractive. And also valuations in Europe are much lower than they are in the UK and the US. Also, I would look at emerging markets. I think they do look attractive at the moment. And also they do offer much higher growth rates than anything that we have here in the UK. Okay. And in view of the fact that these are a bit cheaper, would you suggest drip feeding in here as well? Or or could you stick in lump sums? If the option is available, yes, I would drip feed. Um, I think what I would be doing is if I had an existing portfolio, I probably would sell out quite a high proportion of UK facing investments. And I would move those all at once into Europe and emerging markets. So I would just change the weightings in my portfolio. Okay. If you're going to go into Europe and emerging markets, are there any particular funds you think are good options for getting your exposure? So looking at Europe, it depends on what type of investor you are. If you are someone a bit more cautious, perhaps looking for an income, I'd look at something like the Lion Trust European Income Fund. So that's a relatively cautious one, focusing on sort of large blue chip companies with good dividends. If you're someone a bit more growth orientated and who wants to take on a bit more risk, I'd look at something like the BlackRock European Dynamic uh, Fund. Okay, some useful suggestions. Now, as well as high markets... UK investors are having to contend with considerable uncertainty at the moment after no government party won a clear majority in the recent general election and upcoming negotiations over the UK's departure from the European Union. Rachel, what does this mean for companies that mainly get their revenue from the UK and the funds which invest in them? Well, it's definitely quite a worry. So at the moment, we've got a big political mess. We don't know what's happening with our own government. We don't know what's happening with Brexit. And if I owned a UK business, I would not be investing at the moment. I would not be investing money and expanding my business. So I think that speaks very negatively of the UK economy. So I would be very wary of buying the shares of any company that depends purely on the UK for its revenue. So that would be most likely to be smaller companies listed in the UK. I think you're okay with the larger companies in the UK because they are more likely to have a very international revenue stream, but smaller companies I would probably sell out of at the moment. Okay. Um, and what, what else should investors do then, um, in, you know, bearing all this in mind? So within the UK, I'd probably look to reduce my weighting in smaller companies and medium companies as well. So the FTSE 250 is very domestically facing 
and yet it has held up quite well following the election. So I think it looks expensive and I'd probably be reducing exposure there. And I would use those proceeds of my sales to move more into Europe and into emerging markets. Okay, you mentioned some Europe funds before. What about emerging markets of any um, particular funds that you'd highlight for that region? So the one I usually buy is the Stuart Asia Pacific Leaders, which I think was mentioned in your last magazine, actually. Fantastic long term performance. I like it because it's got such a high weighting to India. So Mm. I think about 30% of the fund is invested in India. That's currently the fastest growing economy in the world. So I'm very positive on that economy and I'd like to invest there. So that's the main reason I like that particular fund. And I also like an investment trust called Utilico Emerging Markets. And that's largely focused on infrastructure within emerging markets. So that's another option for people wanting to diversify. Okay, thank you, Rachel. And also see Kate's roundup of cheap funds to get exposure to Europe in the funds news in this week's magazine and the website. That brings us to the end of today's podcast, so it just remains to thank Emma Ajimang and Kate Bealey at Investors Chronicle and Rachel Winter, Senior Investment Manager at Killick. You can read more on the case for tech funds, how to invest in high markets and ways to diversify your UK exposure in this week's issue of Investors Chronicle and the website. Thank you for listening and have a good weekend.